Hey, it's Lisa Carlin from Attacking Third to tell you about the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. It's equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend. The Hyundai Santa Fe features available all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, plus available dual wireless charging pads, ensuring that you can take on any adventure. It's ski season, and with the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe, I can easily load the car with all my gear plus my friends in the third row and make it right to the base of the slopes with all-wheel drive. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Finding the right cleat can be transformative. Believe me, I've worn plenty during my career. So getting the right balance is crucial. The cleat needs to feel good on your foot, but also feel good connecting with the ball. The New Balance Furon 7 Plus is built with both of those points in mind, offering overall comfort and precise striking in the game's fastest moments. Because, as I learned the hard way, because I didn't possess much of it, speed matters in soccer. That's why the Furon 7 Plus is built for accuracy and precision at rapid pace and is engineered specifically for use on firm ground. Why is this the ideal cleat, I hear you ask? Well, not to get too scientific, but the Furon 7 Plus offers a lightweight yet supportive hypo-knit with mesh lining upper construction and is paired with offset lacing for a truer strike of the ball, which is a long way of me saying that your game will immediately get better when these are on your feet. Learn more and purchase the Furon at NewBalance.com. Welcome into Attacking Third, where we talk about all things women's soccer in the world. I'm Jenny Chu alongside Lisa Carlin, Jordan Angeli, and Christine Cupo. Ladies, we didn't have a show on Wednesday. We had a little bit of time off. We're back. We're excited to talk about football. What did you guys do with your Wednesday? Oh, I got my car inspected, my oil changed. <laughs> I got ready for the winter. I was, like, checking things off my to-do list, honestly. You had some time to do life. I was life. productive. I was Lisa productive, Carlin's honestly. Lisa glamorous queen, right? <laughs> Jordan, what about you? I worked. I was sitting right where Lisa was, did some Champions League. It was fun. Yeah, Alongside I was a full day of Champions Cupo. League duty, yeah. so I did Champions League Sound and then Champions Club here. It's beautiful to be back with everyone since we weren't here on Wednesday. We have plenty to break down, first of all. Spanish national team drama continues. Spain's winning World Cup players have agreed to end their strike of the national team following the Federation's commitment to make immediate structural changes. These changes include the removal of six to nine senior officials, including the general secretary, Andrew Camps, who is a close ally of the disgraced former Federation president, Luis Rubiales. The agreement was reached after a seven-hour meeting where Spanish National Sports Council and the Players Union helped to mediate between the Federation and the players. Guys, I think that this is potentially a good first step. We know the fact that they are meeting for the first time. Christine, what do you think? I think these are small steps when we need to see bigger strides, but I think we're moving in the right direction. It's interesting that amidst this firing series, we'll call it, we have uh, the director of, I believe, Integrity, which no question, right? I'm pretty sure that they've probably just been on an island vacationing this entire time because there's absolutely no way they were doing any work. Um, I think there's still a lot of work to be done, but this is, this is a good sign. Yeah, so it's interesting because so much has happened, right? Um, initially, they said they, weren't, they didn't want to be called into camp. They were called into camp anyway, so let's just recap. Um, if they were not called into camp or did not come into camp, report to camp when they were called into, it says that they were threatened with legal sanctions that would be um, basically putting their career uh, in jeopardy and their club and country career. Um, 
And then we found out they all went to camp and they then realized that the, they had not done the FIFA mandate of 15 days of before you're getting called in. Um, so they had a meeting about it. And then if players left, they would not be sanctioned is what the agreement was. And two players left, Mapi Leon and Patri Guijarro. Um, and this is what they said. They said that, yes, while the Federation is working on changes, it's a different situation for us. It's tough. It's difficult um, being there after everything that's happened. Mentally, we were not ready to stay. That was their explanation for leaving. Um, I don't know, Jordan, you were a player. Is that something that you kind of understand after all of the trauma that they've endured in such a short period of time to just immediately go and fully trust, yes, we're here and everything is going to be better? Well, those players weren't involved in the World Cup either. So I think they're coming into a situation where they sat out, said, we don't want to be a part of this. So they're they're leaving again. I don't feel like they're at the right place to trust that everything is where it needs to be. But I would say there are a lot of steps that have happened in the last two weeks. You know, we're seeing people get fired. We're seeing the players feel like they can compete and feel, you know, I, I think in a way proud of who they are as a team in stepping on the field as world champions for the first time today and and proving yet again that they can handle a lot off the field with some key performances on the field. So I think there's steps in the right direction. I think that this is going to take a while. As I said last week, you know, you want all these firings. You can't just – if everything goes at once – I don't know if you have a federation, yeah. and you can't play games if you don't have people um, doing all the work. But, um, yeah, it, it feels like there's some kind of progress. I feel progress. Yeah, and, and Montpellier said that as well. She spoke out, and, and in everything that she said, one of the phrases is there are changes being made, and they are removing people in positions of power, so it's working to some <laughs> extent what these players want, which is structural changes within the federation and their protests and saying, hey, we're not going to play for the national team, and, and even after being called in, saying that this is not fair, like now you're putting our careers at jeopardy. They're continuing to make those changes because of the players' actions and their willingness to stand together. I know there was an interesting quote that came out about them needing to come into camp because if they didn't, that would then put the younger generations into a difficult situation. Can you give some clarity there? Because I thought that was incredibly interesting. Yeah, basically, if the, the senior national team players that w were called into this camp weren't didn't show up and didn't arrive, Spain still has to play matches uh, against Sweden today, Switzerland in, in just a few days' time. So the Spanish Federation needs someone to step out onto the field. So they would have just gone to the younger players in the youth system, the U23s, if they refused, the U20s. The, it would have just kept going down. Mm -hmm. And so the senior national team players said, well, we don't want to – throw them that grenade, essentially, in terms of everything, whether it's playing on the field or putting them in that position to support the federation and play for them when it's not necessarily their fight. They're too young for that. It's mm. our fight right now, although they're supporting it. It, they didn't want to put that onus on those younger players. I think that's a really fair thing to do for the senior players because it, it shows a maturity that sometimes you don't get out of a lot of adults to say, I'm in the, in the throes of something really significant myself, but I also don't think that it's necessary for me to pass this along to someone else. And it also shows that they do have a great point of pride in both their identities as national team players, as essentially these sort of elder sisters to these younger players, and but also more broadly for the Federation, that you know we are proud to represent our country. The problem isn't within us. It's outside of us, and we're currently doing battle together. It shows a more united front, in my opinion, and I think that was a massive statement for those players to make.
Beautiful, Christine. We just saw the images before the Sweden game when they were holding up a banner that says Sakawo, and they also wore wrist tape with that being written. So they're continuing their fight there. And like Jordan mentioned, they still got the 3-2 win against Sweden against all odds. Um, let's take a look at the structural changes that they have been promised by the Spanish national team. So Andrew Camps, like we mentioned, has been removed as secretary general, and they promised six to nine firings to occur in the coming days. We have started to see those happen, and they have also removed female from the women's national team branding to say that football is football is, is their attempt to do so. Um, and uh, they're just continuing to negotiate at this time. We move on to San Diego Waves. Alex Morgan, who was issued a fine uh, by the NWSL for her tweet regarding the refereeing in the Waves match this past weekend against the current uh, Morgan's comments were judged to be a violation of the NWSL's uh, prejudice statements and public criticism section of the league's operation manual. Morgan's tweet read. <laughs> I know we already already had a had our opinion on this, but in what world is this not a penalty and red card or even a foul completely reckless in the leg going in for the tackle doesn't even get a ball when I cut her. Um, she said basically she wouldn't be 100% wouldn't be walking today if she didn't kind of jump away from that. Uh, there were other players that came out in support of her. And what we talked about this on Monday, we said that's 100% a dangerous tackle. Mm -hmm. Now we're seeing that she's being fined for them. And I know we have different opinions about why she's being fined as opposed to maybe a referee saying, hey, maybe I made a mistake. We can move on from that. Well, wait, wait. Can we check the rule book real quick to make sure that none of us get fined if we actually make a comment <laughs> yeah. about the comment that she got fined for? Just, I'm just here so I don't get pull. fined. Yeah. <laughs> we're just not going to touch it because we're also very afraid that apparently if you just speak your mind, some, I think some her, repercussions may occur. Her statement and her tweet were a reasonable question, and I think that that lends to the accountability within the league. I don't, I don't think she was disrespectful in any way. And when we continue talking about things like this with refereeing, and it's been an issue for, you know, NWSL in the past. Um, Jordan, we talk about Casey Stoney also being fined. Yeah, I, I, lo I love what Casey Stoney said in her uh, press conference. I don't have anything to say on anything because I'm not going to give the league any more of my money. And, <laughs> and that's a little bit, I think, of how people feel. And it's hard because I do think – as players, as referees, as coaches, we are in a position where we have a voice and you need to use that voice in the way that you that is responsible. And you can be accountable for your words. You need to be accountable for your words. But I don't feel like what Alex said was challenging anything, but like, let's just do better. Let's, can I get, can I get a reason why this wasn't? Yeah. And, and I she think- asked, She asked a question. That's I think she that said. that yeah. is, to me, I think that's okay. And luckily, I know on the broadcast side of things, we get to talk to pro and talk about things that go right and go wrong. I'm very thankful for that because then that sets me up to know some of the nuances of the rule book. And that is helpful for me. So as somebody who talks about the game and calls the game and teaches people who are watching about the game. So um, I think that there could be just a little bit of understanding that, yeah, if those words we're not right, then why aren't they right? Or how can we say this is what was deemed not a foul? Because right. then if you know why it wasn't a foul, then you can say, okay, well, maybe I could see that. So can you give me an example of basically what could have been a better answer than just to find Alex Morgan in this instance? We're going to talk to pro yeah. and find out their reasoning for this call and see if there was a mistake. These referees are human. They're, if there yeah. was a mistake in the game live for missing this call. Um, but... 
I think they went back and, and looked at it on VAR. So then having pro, the referees, come forward and say this is why it wasn't a, a foul at all. There's no whistle called on the play. Hmm. Ah. Interesting. <laughs> I don't know, guys. I don't know if I'm buying it. Uh, when we return, we're going to talk about the very new expansion team at NWSL. Well, not very new. I guess, again, Boston. Stay tuned. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. On Wednesday, the NWSL officially announced that Boston will be the next team to join the league. The Boston team will debut in 2026, making it the 15th team in the league. The ownership group has an all-woman core led by Boston native Jennifer Epstein, whose family co-owns the Boston Celtics. The bid to win the expansion is reportedly a record-setting 53 million dollars, which is beautiful to see all this woman thrown into women's soccer. Um, but ladies, first of all, the fact that it's a majority-owned women's group is something that we all love to see in NWSL. Yeah, for sure. And, and they're all Boston natives and, and have the power behind Boston. And I think it's interesting to look at the city as a whole because this is a city that had an NWSL team and a women's professional team up until just before the start of the 2018 season, the Boston Breakers, before that club folded. So it'll be eight years later in 2026 when this Boston group relaunches an NWSL team in this city. Um, and there's been a lot of learning that has happened over the last eight years, I'm going to say, within the NWSL, within women's soccer, within female investors and investment overall into this women's game. And I'm hoping that the longevity of this team in this city is forever because there are still a lot of people that are questioning those types of additions to the league saying, hey, there's 12. Now we're going to add 14. How much is this? I mean, up until the 10th year of the NWSL, Fans, players, coaches, staff were like, is this, are we here to stay? Is this league here to stay? Because they had just seen so much instability yeah. previously in the NWSL. They've learned and they've grown. And I'm really happy that this league continues to grow and take steps forward. When we talk about those previous iterations of the NWSL, the leagues that existed before this at WPS, Jordan, I know that you played professional football. You also played for Boston Breakers. Um, how does this feel like for you to now see a team coming coming out from Boston again. I'm so excited for this. Boston was the best place to play as a professional because it is a really tight-knit community in Boston because that city is, is it's a big city, but it's a small city. You can get around to so many of the different pieces and um, it is a great place to play. I'm so excited that they're back. Um, it is the right time, I think, for them. I think that this is going to be a really, there's a lot of work to be put in of where are they going to play. I know that they're renovating a stadium. Uh, the expectations are now much different. When I played, we our, our um, locker room was a double-wide trailer. And We've come a long way. this locker room Respect. is not going to look like a double-wide trailer. <laughs> but I'm really happy for the fans there because those fans loved coming out to every single game and supporting it didn't matter if there was you know a hundred of them or a couple thousand of them they love football and I'm happy that they get to have this back because when you score a goal in Boston you feel the celebration and oh, I'm ready for that. I'm ready for the fans how many did you score that? in Boston 
I had a, I was the rookie goal, leading goal scorer. Oh, my oh yeah, we she was. the Jordan highlights reel. Hold on, guys. Oh, grainy. It's grainy. Can, can, we get, can we get a zoom in into Kristen Kubo right now? You see how she's sitting there ready to write? Let me tell you what she's doing, okay, so everybody understands. Um, we were tasked with thinking of name ideas for this Boston team, and Kubo has never taken something this seriously. So, Kubo, let's start with you on these Boston NWSL team name as ideas. Soon as I started taking it seriously, we were going way off the rails here. Okay? Here we go. Here we I go. Have, I have some proposed names. <clears throat> <laughs> The Boston Revere, Beantown FC, <laughs> Boston Beacon, because they're the first yeah. lighthouse. Yeah, I like that one. So that I like one's Beacon. like a little bit more realistic. Then I got the Boston High Sox and Breakers again. Yeah. I just think you go, um, you know, I know there's a Celtic vein here. So the Boston Big Green. You know, take it back yeah. to the 90s Big Green movie about yeah. soccer. You guys have definitely I not have seen no that. Idea have you? <laughs> <movie> I have no idea You've seen Big Green? Yes. Okay. I've seen well. most sports movies. Yeah. Good and bad. The Boston yes. Big Greens. Yeah. Boston Big Greens. I like it. I've, I see a lot of green in their... their yeah. Which would make sense. I see a lot of green. So I, um, I did not take this quite as seriously as Christine. <laughs> However, Massachusetts, the state flower is the Mayflower. So they could be the Boston Mayflowers. The Boston something. I don't know. I don't know. We're like going. I like what you tried. We're going with it. You okay. know what? I thought tea there was party, like a whole list. Boston Tea Party. I could There's do. something there. The Boston <laughs> Green Leaf. The Boston Tea Leaf. The Boston Tea. I don't. I yeah. know. Is that you don't something like that we're proud tea of? <laughs> green Tea FC. Green Tea FC. I mean, it'll probably just be Boston Football Club. Yeah. I I'm like guessing. Beacon. Yeah, that's. I like Beacon's a good one. That's cool. cool. All right, Boston. <laughs> There's there's a price if you take that name. Just so you know, Christine Kubel came up with it. She's been working really hard on it. Copyright. Um, exactly. <laughs> we also need a full round of the first issue of the jerseys for yes. all of us. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, guys, so Jessica Berman has always said that the league would expand to 16 teams. We're now on the 15th team. Apparently, there will be another one added. Uh, what do we think or where do we think the 16th team should be? I have an opinion here, but I'll start with you guys. Any ideas? I'll start. Go ahead. I'll hit it. Heck yes, I'll start. Um, Denver, Colorado. Here's my pitch. Which camera do I have? <laughs> I'm going Denver, Colorado. For Denver FC, we've already launched. The community is in for it. They have rallied behind us. A lot of work happening in Denver um, to secure a really good stadium, to secure a place for a NWSL team. It is perfect because then you could go to two conferences. Hear me out. There's eight teams on one side, eight teams on the other. Denver, Utah, there's three teams in California. You get the two teams up north. Kansas City squishes over there as well. You play interconference. You play each other team. Interconference twice, home yeah. and away. You play the team in the other conference once. That's 24 teams. That's 24 That's games, you guys. I've got this worked out. I've got all my notes. <laughs> okay, so she, on Denver, in. she was on the pitch for Denver, Colorado. Do you have a place? I, I agree with the shout for Denver, Colorado, for sure. There's a lot of great soccer talent oh, that I has got come out of entry. Denver. Thank you. Lindsay Horan, Sophia Captain Smith, America. Yep. Captain America, there you go. Mallory Pugh, she trained there. Right. Mallory Pugh, J Jalen Howe. 22 players in Endogastel right now so from Colorado. I'm, I'm not a, I'm not opposed to that for sure, but Philadelphia. Yes, let's go Philadelphia. Yes. Yeah. I'm wearing my Union yes. jersey today <laughs> because we need a women's team in Philadelphia. Yes. The Independence was there way too long ago. I used to go to those games as a little girl. Oh. I want a team back in Philadelphia. It's a incredible sports city. I will argue that we are a way better sports city than Boston. Day in and day out, I'll fight anyone on that. 
We yeah, you're definitely a Philly Let's fan. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Christine, we don't have much time. Do you have a pitch? I, I do. I actually was going to say Philly, so I do agree with you, though I do not love all of the Philadelphia sports fan bases. We are Can't passionate. Be, you are very passionate. Passion. If they're, you they're work hard and you are Colorado, committed to your team, say, people love you. I've never spent real time in Colorado, but it's gorgeous. What I will say is, though, Philly, growing up in the part of Jersey where I was, you were kind of a hybrid New York or Philly area sports fan. And because it's more accessible for a lot of people to get to Philly, it's a sport desert, especially for women's soccer down there. So I would love to see something in Philly. Okay, guys, I'm just putting a bid in for Miami because Miami is the greatest place ever. And obviously, Messi came to Miami. All soccer happens in Miami during the summer. Every single professional player goes to Miami. I know this because my friend trains them all. They're in every club ever. They take up all the space in Miami when the summer comes. There has to be a woman's football club so there. I know there's a USL team does trying it to get there. Like the intermodel where we get all the spiciest European players in all of a sudden? Maybe. Who doesn't want to live in Miami, ladies? Who doesn't want to? I mean, training I mean, there in the summer yeah. sign <laughs> sounds pretty. It's not. It's really not hot there, guys. I don't know. I, you know what? I'm just delusional. I just lived in the heat for too long. You're delusional I'm, now. You don't. Li listen, this is my first winter in the Northeast. I'm very nervous uh, come winter time. Uh, we're going to be recapping the U.S. Women's National Team match against South Africa when we return, including the legendary Julie Ertz's goodbye to professional soccer. You don't want to miss it. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to Attacking Third. We're going to go straight into these highlights from last night's 3-0 win against South Africa. First of all, Julie Ertz's goodbye match. It was incredibly emotional. We've seen Julie Ertz holding back tears for the past week in every single interview and we see her taking it all in there, Jordan. Yeah, I wasn't holding back tears, to be honest. I was sitting in my apartment crying, watching her with her last game because it was emotional. And Julie Ertz was trying to get on the end of every single set piece here. She almost puts one in the back of the net from the foot of Lindsey Horan on the near post corner. But that was a back post run. We see in a near post run here, just Julie Ertz at least making a difference. She doesn't get the touch, but then it's Lynn Williams who does enough coming in as that trailer to head it into the back of the net. This gets called a goal, one nothing for the U.S. And then this is the goal that made me have all the feels of this is what we know of the U.S. Women's National Team. It was quick. It was a counterattack that went through the little pockets and then Trinity Rodman pushing it into the back of the net. A really good finish from her. And then this moment, it's everybody the getting their the last came again. Oh. Their last hug from Julie Ertz. 
It was emotional. Yeah, it was. I mean, I cried again at this moment when she Every says goodbye. Every single time she starts to look like she's trying to keep it together, I was like, I'm leaking from my face again. It's it's fine. It's I can't imagine the gravity of that and the realization that you know you're going out on top the way you chose to, but. Yeah, and then Lynn Williams gets another goal, this one off of her stomach, but they all count the same, Jenny. They do. These are the look at the match stats. 62% possession against South Africa's 38%. Uh, but all of those goals coming in the first half for the United States, they kind of struggled a little bit more in the second half, Lisa. Yeah, I think when you look at the first half with the United States, the fact that once they got going in the 32nd minute, two minutes later, there came another one. Um, and that's been the key with this United States team uh, consistently. Once they get one and they crack the code, it, be, it looks like it becomes so much easier for them. They scored two goals, two of their three off-corner kicks and set pieces. They haven't done that since last April against Uzbekistan. That is something that this, this side hadn't been able to capitalize on, specifically in the World Cup. You look at their chances they created and their set pieces, whether opposition was knowing that, hey, they score a lot of goals off corners, let's defend this well, it doesn't matter. Check, check out that back heel from Lindsey Horan. Yep. Like, <laughs> create the space, recycle your runs, lose your defender, get on the back post or the front post, flick it on, send the ball back into the mix that's a gritty plays from the United States that we just haven't seen in a while and we saw glimpses of it and in good moments of it even Lynn Williams getting a belly button goal like <laughs> we'll take it we'll take it absolutely I love that second goal um, because Alex Morgan I think does the right thing to immediately cross it in that moment and Trinity Rodman gets on the end of it I think that sometimes there are moments when our outside players are not willing to take the the early cross you know they want to go quick closer in or they want to cut it back and it's like just do the early cross, just get it to your teammates, trust your teammates in those instances. And we saw that from Alex Morgan. And I felt like she looked better than I've seen her in the World Cup. I think Alex Morgan did have a little bit better of a game. But for me, if you're looking at the front line, the player that stood out to me was Trinity Rodman. And in watching Rodman play this year specifically for the Spirit, yes, she does get the ball wide in times, but she tucks in often, and they were using her in the pocket, as a pocket winger, and, and utilizing Fox to get in beyond her. And I, I liked Rodman, and there were often times where you saw Julie Ertz pointing and saying, this is the space we need to play mm -hmm. it to as one of those double pivots. It was Sonnet when Ertz went out, kind of orchestrating how they wanted to build out, but it, that was maybe one of the changes that I saw from this team, because they were sitting in that double pivot it again as they did in that last game of the World Cup. They wanted to build off of something. I thought Rodman's positioning was different and they were trying to utilize that half space centrally. Um, but, but there are times where I feel like it just the execution in the attacking third was not up to the par that we would expect from these players. The decision making as to who you cross it to in what moment. Um, but that goal makes you rem reminds you the second goal of who this team can be, and that is why we have high expectations for them. With the double pivot with Julie Ertz and Emily Sonnet sitting centrally as the double six, the U.S., when they were building out, looked like they were building out of a three-back. I mean, they were, mm -hmm. because Emily Fox pushes so high, which opens up the space. We saw Sonnet tucking into that pocket to receive it. It, it looks like they had more tactical fluidity than we've seen previously yeah. with this with this side and perhaps that lends to the players being on the field and saying this is how we want to play I mean that's what this U.S. side spoke about when they played against Sweden um, in the World Cup that they wanted to make those tactical changes with Sonnet being in the double pivot 
which opened up all that space for them to be able to build out of the back more. I mean, there's already been structural changes that are happening with this U.S. side and formationally and the way that they were able to shift in this game. I think with that, you're like they really finally are on to something. And to your point, it seems like once they work things out, everything again, the passes are cleaner. The shots are more decisive. There's just more certainty and it's a lot more trust among them. But, yeah, I think they're building on that notion that like we do know how to play our best football. Yeah, the, the, the weak side holding midfielder was on constantly in this game. Yeah. It was mostly Emily Sonnet, but the way that they were playing, it w- was that constant switch the point through the weak side holding midfielder, which I thought was good. But I'm not going to sit here and say that I was wooed by anything. Mm-hmm. I, I don't feel like that was the strongest performance from this team. It was an emotional performance. I would guess the Sunday game is also going to be emotional. So you're managing these feelings. And, you know, you heard from Lindsay Horan during the week saying, I. I would look at Julie and cry. You know, like these players have grown up with these two spearheads of the women's national team. So I don't think we're going to see the best from this team right now. But what's difficult is there's not a lot of time to see that. Um, I was a little disappointed we didn't see Sam Coffey in this Mm -hmm. game. I was very disappointed we didn't see Jaden Shaw. Um, So I am hopeful that we do see those two players specifically in the game on Sunday. But we did get to see... Vignola. Vignola, yes, which I was shocked, honestly, that we got to see her. She's from Cincinnati, so she made her U.S. Senior National Team debut at home. That's so cool. And I think she came in uh, as a left back, so she was playing alongside Gurma. Of course, Gurma is a leader and and such a workhorse there that I think helped give a bit of stability to Vignola. And I think she played pretty well, considering the circumstances of the emotional of the game and playing in front of her family and friends in Cincinnati. I I wasn't disappointed with how yeah. she played. It was the perfect game to put her in because yeah. she didn't have to create. And it's easier to destroy than it is to create. She destroyed very well. She defended yeah. well. She won the ball back. But going forward, there are more tests that have to be answered. Great first game for her. Nice to have it at home. Um, and congrats. What First cap. Huge. It's amazing. It's huge. I, I'm going to put you guys in a difficult situation here, but I just want to understand like your takeaway from the second half not having any goals. This was a game where the U.S. should have won, should have dominated. That is just what we take away from where the teams stand. The fact that there are no more goals scored in the second half, if you were playing against someone that was a little bit stronger, that was giving you more trouble, that's not a good second half. I think that's fair. That's a fair statement to make. I think we've seen this before, though, with the U.S. women's national team side, where for some reason they take their foot off the gas and it kind of makes no sense a lot of the times. Sometimes you can point to certain performances or people going missing in other instances. It's just, to me, I can't make sense of it. I don't know. Did, yeah. did you pick out anything in particular? I thought Lindsay Horan, than, yeah. yeah. I think once Lindsay Horan came out and Ashley Sanchez couldn't find the game. To me, I felt like she was struggling to find the game. But again, I was not wooed by 90 minutes. It wasn't just mm-hmm. the second half. Even the goals that were scored in the first half, that one goal was great. But... Um, it didn't feel to me like – it felt like there could have been more from the team in this whole 90 minutes, but that's my feeling. I just find that the ability to be critical about even the teams that we love uh, help the game advance. So I feel like, yes, we yeah. love the U.S. Women's National Team, but being able to say, hey, that's not a good enough performance. If you want to be Olympic champions in a year, less than a year almost, you know, that, that's something that we want to see from you. But Jamaica and Canada playing today. We're going to preview that coming up next. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing 
To grow in your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. Welcome back to Attacking Third. Jamaica take on Canada tonight in the first of two matches valid for the 2024 Paris Summer Olympics. There was some positive news for the Jamaican women's national team this week. The Jamaican Olympic Association, the Jamaican Football Federation, and the Bob Marley Foundation have collectively pledged 25 million Jamaican dollars for the team's upcoming matches against Canada. That sum translates to a little over 160,000 U.S. dollars. That money will be split between financing the Olympic qualifying campaign and player incentives. Approximately $97,000 will serve to finance the team's next two matches, while around $65,000 will be divided amongst the players in the form of incentives. Ladies, this is good news for the Jamaican players. This is great news for them. This is fantastic because they've been able to have so much success with practically zero funding. Practically. When, when they got to the 2019 World Cup, their incredible run at this 2023 World Cup and advancing out of the group All stages. crowdsourcing. It is fantastic. And now with uh, Sidella Marley has done so much work with the Bob Marley Foundation and being such a vocal advocate for the reggae girls. And they deserve it because they give so much grit on and off the pitch. And it is so well deserved. If they can, you know, win out against Canada, make it to the Olympics, that is so historic for this Jamaican side. We talked to Sedalia Marley. We talked to Kanya Plummer as well, and both of those people all said we, we need support. It's not it's not where it needs to be. This is a really good step because now you're getting the Olympic Committee and the Jamaican Federation putting money alongside the the Marley Foundation. So the the coming together, I think, is what you want to see, and this is the perfect time. That team in the World Cup, mm -hmm. lit everybody up. Everybody was so pumped to watch the Reggae Girls because they were inspiring. We saw the, the from the coach to the last player who was off the bench, everybody so unified. That's something you want to be a part of. So maybe tides are changing in Jamaica. Maybe they're starting to see the relative, the, the reason why, I should say, they should support this women's team. For sure. I think that, to your point, Joanne, we were talking to Sadella and she had you know, made mention, we had asked her about, you know, in the past, the Federation hadn't been distributing the funds as promised from mm -hmm. FIFA. And she said she would personally be holding them accountable this go around. And I feel like this is another move in the right direction. It shouldn't have had to been the case, but it's nice to see that so much is changing and as quickly. And I'm still hoping that the Jamaican people start to fall in line and appreciate what they actually have mm -hmm. in this women's side because they are outstanding. And they need these two wins. This is, they yeah. need to win here because this would be another step for Jamaica to make it to the Olympics. That would be 
crucial for them right now. And Christine, this is an opportunity. Jamaica plays this opening match against Canada in Kingston. This is a chance for the Jamaican people to watch their reggae girls mm -hmm. on home soil. Go out, support them. There's been a lot of hoopla around, hey, get players to this. Let's do activations. And that a lot of that falls on the shoulders of Sidella Marley because she's been such an advocate for come watch these girls play yeah. because they are so good and so talented. And it starts tonight in this two-match series for Jamaica. I think they're winning this. I'm, I'm saying it. I know it's going to be Ooh, close, but I think they're winning this tonight. And I, for one, will be celebrating just because the amount of joy that these women players have that they play with that you can see, it's infectious. Mm -hmm. Like, how can you not jump in there and be like, yes, with my whole soul, I want everything for you. I completely agree. But the, when we think about the game tonight, um, I can't help but think back to the World Cup when Bunny Shaw had that moment with Martha and how many eyeballs were on that moment. And for, for them to have that exchange, I just hope that Jamaican girls are at this game tonight uh, because I've covered the men's national team against the Jamaican men um, there, and it was a great atmosphere. I mean, the way that they cheer for the men is absolutely there. They love football. But to have it on the women's side would just be absolutely monumental, and we're hoping to see that tonight uh, and hopefully get that win as well. Uh, when we discuss the game, Let's have some players to watch. Why don't we go ahead and start with Jamaica, since we're already speaking about them, Wax Lyrical. Christine, who is your player to watch for Canada tonight? The one, the only, Khadija Monifa Bunny Shaw. The striker, the uh, Jamaica leading goal scorer, men or women's. She's always the star attraction, in my opinion. If you want to show up for a Jamaica game, show up for her. She will always put on a show. She will always find the back of the net. Uh, I'm interested to see what she's got, and I think she's got a lot to work for and show off tonight, especially knowing that we want them to qualify. They want to qualify. Um, always, always, always. I mean, I'd watch her just basically dribble around the yard, quite frankly. <laughs> it feels like her role at the World Cup, there, there was a lot of weight on her shoulder. Mm -hmm. She handled it really well, but I think that this Jamaica squad feels differently than they did even just two months ago about how how they can fulfill certain roles. So can they rally around Shaw and make sure she's not carrying all the weight? Mm -hmm. I, I go to the midfield because I think that this is going to be a really interesting battle centrally for both teams. But Drew Spence was one of my favorite midfielders to watch in the World Cup because the way that Spence navigates the middle of the field, a destroyer would be a very good word to use, but also... Spence was always there at the right moment to help them navigate through that first phase of possession to get the ball to the next line to Avani Shaw or players up front. So I, I think Spence is going to have to organize centrally because Canada wants to play through the middle of the field to then bring in their wingers. But if you can mitigate the middle of the field and Spence can do that, then Jamaica is going to feel good. Jamaica's defense is rock solid, right? You look at their World Cup They're campaign. They're not giving up goals. They have given up zero goals. Three shutouts in those three World Cup group stage games, which advanced them out of the round of 16. They played against France, against Brazil. Those are heavy hitters. So their defense is fine. We don't need to spotlight them. The Swaby sisters are going to hold it down in the, in the center, center defense. <laughs> I'm going to the front line. Forward Shayna Matthews has to have a big game. Um, she plays in the NWSL, and she's coming off a goal with Chicago Red Stars. So she's got the juice is flowing within her. Uh, alongside Bunny Shaw playing in a, a wide wingback 
type of position for Shayna Matthews. She has to anticipate the transition game for Jamaica because that is going to be the key against Canada. As soon as Jamaica finds the outlet in Bunny Shaw, can Matthews support underneath, make those overlapping runs, combine with Spence centrally in the midfield, and then progress the ball forward. But it all comes down to anticipation of the transition game. Or just good defensive work from the front yep. line because that's how she got her goal just the yep. last weekend in NWSL is just picking the pocket of a defender. And Canada can be a little bit slow bringing the ball out of the back. Mm -hmm. I love it. My player is Denisha Blackwood. Um, Blackwood I saw during the qualifiers. She was on the same side where I was covering the game, so I watched her go up and down that field. And she wasn't even with a team at the time, so I was kind of impressed to see how fit she was. She continues that, and she gets up, does all the crosses for Jamaica all the time on that left side. She really owns that left back position as an up and down player. Um, and really, as we mentioned, the back line not allowing goals in the World Cup. So uh, she's my player to watch, and she's very consistent with them. What color hair do you think she'll have? Because she was rocking pink during the World Cup. I, I was about it's to say go pink. Ja Ugh. Jamaican colors? Green. Uh, we love some I green like hair. Green. I would we like, like it. Green. We, we love some green, green, green hair. Can I just say, I did not know who any of you guys had chosen for your player today, and we all literally moved through their lines <laughs> in yeah. order. We all linked up. I love yeah. this trip. Oh, man, I'm excited to watch them play just... Just to see them again, you know, just to watch the women going again is, is so exciting. Okay, let's move on to Canada. Christine, since we started with you for Jamaica, get us started here. Let's see where you are at. Julia Grosso, my center mid playing for Juventus uh, women. She, uh, I guess last year, 2022, uh, had come back. You saw she had a little way to go in terms of growth. She's... She's been very good uh, defensively. She just seemed a little bit box shy. She needed to get more up in there, at least for Canada. That's what they hope for her. And I think that we've seen her grow a lot. I've seen her pick up pace, especially with the Juve side. I, I think she's got a lot to offer, and I think that she's going to start showing a little bit more star power on that Canada side. And she ha has to because that center of the midfield, mm -hmm. I I'm in the midfield too, but without uh, Desiree Scott, mm -hmm. now without Sophia or Sophie, Sophie Schmidt, Schmidt this is a, a midfield that's depleted, and Grosso can fill that gap, but it's going to look different for Canada. I think they're working through how different it is going to be over these next few years. Uh, I, I'm going Jesse Fleming because Good Fleming pick. is going to have a lot of times where she's against Drew Spence, and that is going to be a 1v1 battle just positioning. But can Fleming occupy spaces in this Canadian build-out? Because I, I felt like there were, was a game in the, the World Cup in, against Australia. She actually was their most active. Player. It was a terrible game for Canada, but this was a player who picked the ball up in the right spots and helped create transition moments for Canada. So can Fleming be the key masterful player that they need her to be, especially in attack because she's their final passer? Can she choose the right pass to try to separate a very good defense for Jamaica? And it's going to be a tight defense that Jamaica yes. rolls out with. Mm -hmm. So Fleming's going to have to pick those seams very carefully mm -hmm. and make sure that those turnover balls aren't really detrimental for the transition for Jamaica. For Canada, I'm going in the back line because traditionally this Canadian side has been really rock solid defensively. When they're sitting in a low block, they've got... Goalkeeper Kaylin Sheridan, who's done so much work. However, they've conceded 12 goals in 2023, and their defense is shaky at times. Yeah. And their center backs, Vanessa Gill and Kadisha Buchanan, have to be on top of it, and mostly Buchanan, because the way that she plays alongside Gill in that center back position, she's going to be matched right up alongside Bunny Shaw. She needs to touch tight. Do not let Shaw turn her. Make sure that there is pressure, and it's really hard for Jamaica to get shots off, because in their transition, 
transition game. If Canada can slow down Jamaica, that is going to be the key for Canada to get out of this game alive. And that's exactly how I'm going to put it. A lot of pressure is going to fall on those center backs. And for Buchanan, she needs to be loud, vocal, organizing the defensive shape of all the players in front of her. And Canada has just got to hope that Kaylin Sheridan is really excited to play and, and locked down in goal because there's gonna, they're going to be facing a lot of shots against Jamaica. Absolutely. So my player is Jordan Heidema. Uh, we see her play with O.L. Reign. We see her score goals with her head. Um, she had some really good games in the World Cup and then not so great games in the World Cup. So a bit of a consistency issue for, for Jordan, I think. Um, but for me, she is a striker striker. You put her in there to put the ball in the back of the net with her head or a one-touch challenge. They sometimes put her on the left wing, on the right wing. I don't really like that as much. You know, obviously Janine Becky getting injured changes that. But like you mentioned, Jesse Fleming putting those balls in, I think that she gets behind them. I mean, she has the ability to get behind defenses, run on. She has the speed. She has the ability. To, but the, the biggest threat for me is her head. Yeah. She's just so good at scoring with her head. Put the crosses in for her. Make it easy for Canada there. But I think it's going to be a great game. And like we said, we're rooting for Jamaica here because it would be a great win considering the incentives that they win here. Yeah, I, I do think Jamaica will win. It's, I mean, I'm rooting for CONCACAF in general. I want to be very honest about that. <laughs> However, I love these reggae girls, and I love what they've put out. Um, I, I do think that being at home in Kingston tonight to play against Canada, they're going to have the upper hand, and they have the belief in their federation and the Olympic Committee behind them after getting this bid. Yeah. They're, they're ready to rock. They, they're coming off their second World Cup. They want to make it to the Olympics. They want to go, and it starts tonight. I do think they get the win. We will have our eyes on this match, and we can talk about it on Monday when we'll be back at 4 p.m. And make sure you guys join us then. And we apologize, yet you're welcome for the unhinged B-block. No apologies here. <laughs> it was a good time. I would do it again. Boston Breakers, if you go with her name. Boston Breakers. Boston NWSL, if you go with her name. She wants some money for it. Thanks for joining us. It was a very bright shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.